I'm Molly. And I'm Elsa. And welcome back to the Reading Cafe. The podcast from Holy Cross High School that aims to get people talking about reading. Today we're going to hear a very special episode. Um, It's my last episode of the Reading Cafe. I've finished school now, so we've got Elsa today who's going to start taking over for the six years that are leaving. Mm -hmm. Um, which is great. It's like passing over the baton to a new generation of reading leaders, which is just so, so crazy, but we're really looking forward to it. Did you enjoy doing the Reading Cafe podcast, Elsa? Definitely. So I think it was a new thing for me. I hadn't done anything like this before. You know, it was new to be part of something like this, but I really enjoyed it. It was great to do. I mean, it was it was so nice talking to someone about their book. I don't think I'd ever been to an author or got to talk to someone who'd you know, written the book that I've read and it was really nice to hear from. This is exactly what we've hoped the Reading Cafe podcast would do for people in Holy Cross and outside of Holy Cross. The most important thing we want to do is get people talking about reading and get people excited about it. So to hear that you used this experience and really enjoyed it makes me feel really happy and to think that I've been a part of something like this is just fantastic and I'm going to miss it very much. This episode features a brilliant conversation with Robin Stevens, the author of the fantastic Murder Most Unladylike series. You can expect to hear about Robin's writing process, a reading from one of her books, and answers to questions from some of her Holy Cross superfans. I think it's time to get the kettle on for our very special guest, Robin Stevens. All right. Hello, Molly and Molly. Hello. Thank you. That was great. I think we should just put that right in the podcast, all that. (laughs) We've certainly got enough for a blooper reel, that's for sure. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Oh, this is is brilliant. So, yeah. So we were just starting to talk about what you had done today. So if you want to just maybe start that again. No, I spent (laughs) half an hour trying to make this recording work. Yeah, I know. Uh, Um, I just finished uh, work on the copy edit of the new book, Ministry of Unladylike Activity, which is coming out in uh, September. And uh, now I am writing back to all of the kids who've written letters to me during the pandemic. Um, I couldn't get my author post for two years, so I got a stack of like 300 letters and I'm really slowly going through every time I finish a draft of the book. Uh, so that is what I've, I've been doing and now I'm here. Oh, that's brilliant. It must it must be really awesome to get letters from kids who read their book, like read your books and enjoy them. Uh, that must it's, it's be great. So cool. It's um it's a bit weird to get to get older ones. It's like like reading back into history into the past at this point. You know, I've done a lot from the very beginning of the first lockdown and it's like a little snapshot of the last two years and how people have been feeling and sort of like how my books have been able to sort of be there with them. So it's it's kind of surprisingly moving and, and lovely and uh, it's been a really fun thing to be able to respond to. Oh, that's great. Do you uh, do you enjoy reading the fan letters and what they're Seen saying? All perspectives of it. I do. I they're always really wonderful and a lot of the time you can get um, really strong sense of the personality of, of the of the writer from uh, from the letters. A lot of them are very. I can get whether they're daisies or hazels normally. <laughs> I was just about to ask that actually. Do you ever get kids who you can really tell are so similar to the characters that you're yeah, writing about? Definitely. And sometimes they uh, best friends write together and one of them is like I'm a daisy and one of them's like I'm a hazel and they write in two different, you know, coloured inks. Um oh. which is, that's my favourite to respond to. <laughs> that is, that is, just, that is so cool. 
That is brilliant. Um, so uh, we've heard that you're going to read an excerpt from one of your books for us today. Um, we're, we're really looking forward to that. So if you want to just take that away whenever you're ready. Uh, so I am going to read, um, I do have the Ministry of Unladylike Activity coming out September. Um, I can't quite read you anything from that yet, uh, just because we haven't totally finalized the text. It's just being copy edited and stuff. Um, but what I'm going to do is read from my latest published book, Once Upon a Crime, uh, which is a book of short stories in the Murder Most Unladylike universe. It kind of finishes off the series, ties everything together. And the last story in it is from the perspective of Mei Wong, who's Hazel's little sister. And uh, she was a character who I introduced in A Spoonful of Murder, um, book six. And then she came back in Death Set Sail. And I like her so much. I think she's such a fun, uh, engaging character that I decided to make her one of uh, my three main characters in the new series. Uh, so she's one of two people who narrates the new book. Uh, the other person is still um, slightly under wraps. I'm going to announce uh, my two other main characters who are two totally new people um, for the new series soon. But um, I do have May as one of my two narrators. And so I'm going to read from the beginning of the story that she tells, uh, which is called May Wong and the Deadly Flat. And it takes place right at the beginning of World War II, a year before the events of the Ministry of Unladylike Activity. So, I am Mei Wong and no one ever listens to me. If they had, I would still be in Hong Kong with my mother and Teddy instead of stuck in England with a war on. And I wouldn't have to be speaking English and going to a stupid freezing cold school with horrible European girls who stare at me. I haven't actually gone to Deep Dean yet. My sister Rose and I are being put on the train tomorrow, but I know they'll stare. Of course, Rose is excited about school. Rose loves books and she wants to please everyone which is why it was so unlucky that the day the murder happened, she was the one playing on the stairs. It's sort of Rose's fault that I'm here at all. I wasn't supposed to be for two more years, except that Rose was starting at Deep Dean School, which is where big sister Hazel went and her friend Daisy. And so where we have to go to. Father wanted to travel with Rose and decided that I should come along with them so that I could practice my English and see that England is a nice place to be, which it isn't. We've been staying with Daisy's uncle, Mr. Mount Fitchett, in his flat all summer. I was supposed to go home to Hong Kong with father as soon as Rose went to Deep Dean, but then war broke out and everything went wrong. I thought at first when we got to England that being at war would be an exciting adventure. There are sandbags in all the parks and air raid warning signs on the walls of buildings. Father tried to distract me from seeing them as though I was still a baby and not almost 10 years old. Well, nine years and four months, which is almost 10. Of course, I saw them and so did Rose. We've all been spitted for gas masks that smell of rubber and squeeze my face like a hand. And people go by in the street with yards and yards of heavy black fabric sticking out of bags. And then last Sunday morning, the grown-ups, which includes big sister Hazel now and Daisy, all went into Mr. Mount Fitchett's study and put the wireless on and played it very low so we wouldn't hear. I climbed up on top of the table in the dressing room next door and put my ear against the vent. So of course I heard. First, the man on the radio did a long speech that I couldn't really understand, saying that nobody was safe, but everybody had to be calm. And then Mrs. Mount Fitchett said in a very stiff voice, so it's war. Then there was a babble of voices, everyone talking at once, which resolved into, you can't risk the children on the journey home, said Mr. Mount Fitchett. Rose will be all right at Deep Dean, at least, said Big Sister. But little May, said my father, and that was when I was betrayed. Should stay here with Rose, said Mr. Mount Fitchett. Deep Dean will accommodate, 
We can telephone them, but I can't see any issues. It'll be flooded with evacuees anyway. If you feel you must go back, no question about it, said father. I was sure he'd say that he needed me with him, but I have to go back to my family. If you're sure the little ones will be safe, that's why I hate father now and Mr. Mountfitchett. I'm father's family and so is Rose and he shouldn't be allowed to choose Teddy and my mother over us. I was so angry then that I ran away to our room and kicked the wall. I couldn't even pretend to be surprised when Rose and I were called into the study and told the news hours later. But of course, no one bothered to notice that I wasn't shocked. So this is why, even though I thought the war would be an adventure, it's not. The only properly interesting thing to happen is the murder. And that's why I'm writing all this down. So I have something to prove that there was a murder in the flat above this one, a murder that I solved. I've made at least one grown up sorry for what they did, even if I can't do anything to the ones I'm really angry at. Uh, and that is the beginning of that story. And that sort of shows how um, May gets to England. And that kind of also sets the scene for the ministry. So there you go. Thanks so, so much. much. That was great. Um, do you enjoy giving readings of your books? I do. I haven't, I'm kind of out of practice. I haven't done it for um, for so long. You know, like the last time I did a, an event in person was um, January 2020. And I've done, I've done online events and stuff and I've, I've done readings, but um, I used to be at festivals almost every single weekend and it suddenly all stopped. Um, I have a festival, well, by the time this is aired, it'll already have happened, but I have one uh, next week, I think. Um, and it's the first time I'll have seen fans like in person for two years. So uh, yes, I do. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to doing it more again in future. Oh, what would you say is the inspiration behind that book like what inspires you to specifically write that one um so with daisy and hazel when i started um writing murder most unladylike um it was published in 2014 and in that book they were um 13 years old and i only had a contract i signed a contract for three books with my publisher puffin and so i thought the book the series was going to be three books long and then um people started buying, reading the series. And that more of them did that than we, any of us were expecting. We were all kind of thrilled and shocked. And and they asked me to write two more books in the series and I did. And they asked me to write two more books again and then two more books again. And so suddenly a series that I thought was gonna be three books long was nine. Um, and by the time that Death Set Sail um, was written, the girls are almost 16, they're 15 and a half. And um, they were sort of starting to be the kind of age where they're more interested in like YA. It was feeling more like writing YA than it was writing for, for eight, nine, ten-year-olds. I mean, I don't have an upper age limit for my books. Anyone can read them as long as they're older than eight, I think. Um, but it kind of felt like they couldn't really be kid detectives anymore. So I knew I had to finish their series, finish Murder Most Unladylike as a series. But I wanted to keep writing murder mysteries. I wanted to keep writing about that world. It's the world I find really comforting and, and lovely and special. And I didn't want to say goodbye to it. Um, and so I thought about who I could use to kind of create a new series. And May was, was really the obvious um, option. She's, I think, such a fun spark character. Um, so I thought I want to write a new series with May. And then I worked out how old she'd be when she was like 10, 11. And that was 1940. And I was like, well, that's World War II. And 
in Murder Most Unladylike, I had been working up to World War II. There are lots of like tiny little mentions in, in the books. Lots of sort of people's motives are tied into um, the Nazis coming to power in Germany and becoming, you know, sort of more powerful through through Europe as the 30s was, go was going on. Um, but, you know, I still had a couple of years left to sort of get to it. And then I, so I decided actually jumping forward, going to 1940, having a book starring May and, and some new friends, it really made sense. Um, and I was really excited by that. So I pitched the idea to my publishers and they said yes. And the ministry was born. And now I have a three book deal to write the new series and hopefully it'll be more, but at the moment it's just three. Fingers crossed. Yeah, that's great. Um, you'll be able to tell by when our super fans come in that the books that you've written really resonate with them and like that age group that you're writing for are really, I don't feel like they get written as like books written for them as often as like older teenagers do. So I think that you'll be able to tell that they just really appreciate it and I'm sure they're really excited that the universe is still going on. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm really excited too. It's it's been it's been such an amazing privilege to to be writing for as long as I have. Um, you know, when I started, my first fans were like 10, 11, 12, and they got to grow up with the series. And you know, they were sort of 16, 17, the original uh, kids when when the series ended. Um, and so, like, I feel like I've grown up with my fans. The books have grown up with the fans. And um, yeah, it's just been amazing. And I'm hoping to be able to do that again with the new series from either your books or anybody else's, which character from literature would you say you see yourself the most in? Um, so in my books, I think Hazel's really the girl I was when I was 13. Like her background is very different from mine, obviously. Um, and that was inspired by a lot of my friends um, who I had when I was that age. But in terms of, she was very shy, um, awkward, and feel like an outsider at an English boarding school. That was me. Um, and Daisy, I think I've become more like as I've gotten older. Um, she's, I, I, I'm quite a sort of, I rush through life and I'm very impatient and fast. And, and she has the same characteristics. Um, I think that May is also like me in a different way. She's quite cross and I, I can get quite cross as well. So it's been nice to kind of let out the, the, the annoyance with her. In terms of other characters, um, I, let's see, when I was younger, there was a series of books that I do not think anyone, anyone else read at the time, and um, I'm sure nobody's reading anymore, called Law of the Wolf Power by Kenneth Lee. I was really into um, fantasy fiction, and it's the most incredible, I loved it so much, it's the most incredible series, and I was like, I am the main character of that, Clyde, like, I, I was like, that's me. Um, I remember having that feeling. I don't know if I would feel that way if I read it again now, but but when I was younger, that was that was um, definitely somebody who I was like, oh, she's just like me. Um, so yeah. I think Molly's here, the third Molly. Molly Cubes. Yeah, I know. Three Mollies now, it's not going to get confusing <laughs> at all. Yes, we're yeah. going to bring in our first super fan. We've I think heard. she's wrote to you before. Yeah, we've heard yes. that she sent you a few emails before, so she's hello, really- Molly! <laughs> I know, so, so third Molly, hello. Yeah. I'll to remember one name. Hi, thank you so much for responding to my email. I'm really grateful for that. And my question is, I was wondering, if Murder Most Unlikely like, was to be made into a movie or a television series, which would be brilliant, like who you had in mind for playing the parts of Daisy, Hazel and their friends? Ooh, um, 
That is a really good question. Thank you, Molly. Um, I mean, I think, first of all, I really want it to be made into a TV show. Uh, I think a TV show rather than movies for me, um, just because I grew up watching Poirot and Miss Marple, the TV adaptations, and that is sort of what I think about when I think of, of the books being on screen. Um, I think it's it's going to be a pretty hard job to get it done. Um, I'm always sort of interested in, in hearing from producers who want to make it happen, but it is hard to get a murder mystery show for kids on the air. Nothing quite like it exists yet. I mean, we have Enola Holmes and stuff like Series of Unfortunate Events, but there isn't anything that is like a murder mystery series for kids. So it's going to take a bit longer, I think, to sort of to, because of that, it being sort of quite a new thing for TV. Um, if it did happen, I, I mean, I suspect that the people playing Daisy and Hazel would be fairly new actors. Like, I, I would hope there was like the open auditions. I would hope that fans could could audition, and I, and I think that we might see some fairly new actors. Um, you know, like what happened with Heartstopper. I think a lot of those kids were that's their first acting job, and they're all phenomenal. So. That's what I'm hoping will happen. Um, in terms of um, who I like, if somebody who I've seen um, on screen who I think would be great for for May if she was a bit younger is Thaddea Graham, um, who is was in the Irregulars and in the the Doctor Who uh, Flux. I thought she was fantastic, but she's a bit a bit too old. Um, I would really really like it if my um, my audio narrator, Katie Leung, could play um, one of Hazel's mums. I think that would be really, really cool if if we got to um, to Spoonful of Murder. I would love to do sort of like fun casting for um, Katie Leung to be um, maybe Ama and um, Hazel's father. I kind of like the idea of um, Benedict Wong from um, Doctor Strange being him. Um, he might be getting too old now, I don't know, uh, but that would be really cool. Um, but I'd have to see who the casting people come up with because um, I'm obviously not professional. <laughs> yes, we've got Raffaella now and it's actually Raffaella's birthday. So this it is. is a Happy really big birthday, Raffaella. <laughs> um, so my question is, what was your favourite book to write out of the whole series? Out of the whole series? Um, I have a lot of different answers for that. I think that the ones that I'm proudest of are Spoonful of Murder and Death Set Sail because I had to do a lot of research for that and work really hard on them. Um, and I think the result was really good. Um, but the one that I think was the most fun to write was Death in the Spotlight. And that one I'm super proud of still. I love the twist in it. I remember coming up with that twist and being so excited, um, but kind of thinking it would never work in real life. And then halfway through writing it, I went to see a play and the play had basically the same twist in it. And I was I was like in the front row of the theater and I watched it and I didn't notice the twist happen. Um, and I kind of got goosebumps and I was like, I know this is gonna work. I know this is a really, really good idea. Um, so so yeah, I have a lot of, lot of fond memories of Death in the Spotlight. That's, that's a special one for me. Thank you. Thanks. Have a nice birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks. I just want to say that I love your books and my question is, when did you first realise that you wanted to be an author? Oh, that's a good question. What's your name, sorry? Daisy. Daisy! Brilliant name. Uh, so when did I first realise I wanted to be an author? Um, this is really unusual, I think. I think a, a lot of different authors have different 
um, journeys to kind of knowing what they want to do. But um, I don't remember a time when I didn't want to be an author. Um, I grew up in a house with like loads of books in it. You can see behind me books. Um, my dad wrote nonfiction books. Um, my grandmother and my aunt and my grandfather all wrote different types of academic books. And I just thought that everybody must want to, be, to write books, must want to, to be an author. Um, and I remember when I was six, I asked my friend, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Waiting for like author. And she was like, doctor. And I was like, what? And it was the first moment I realized that not everybody wanted to be an author. And it really like shook me. I remember feeling confused because I felt like the only thing anybody would want to do is write, surely. Um, and I think that just kind of shows how interested I've always been in storytelling. Like it's always just been what I do and how my brain works. Um, and I've always wanted to make up, you know, uh, characters and plots and and kind of tell them to people. Before I could even write, um, I was telling my mum stories that I'd made up. Um, and actually, when I was little, I thought that writing was you got a pen and you scribbled and and it kind of the words went down on the page. I thought it was telepathic. And so I wrote my mom a book with like, you know, a pen and I gave it to her and she couldn't read it. And I was like really upset. And I suddenly realized I had to learn how to how to write before I could write books. So again, you know, it was always there. I'm not surprised I've ended up becoming an author. Thank, Thank you. you. We've got Abby next. Hi there. My question is, is just how do you usually get your ideas to come up with like all the different murders? Because there's so many books in the series. There are, and it is getting harder, I think, to trick my readers just because you've read so many of my books by now and, and you know, the stuff that worked in the first book won't work anymore. Um, I mean, part of the question is books. You know, behind me, a lot of those books are, are murder mysteries or mystery stories. And I, I read a lot of other people's murder mysteries. I watch, um, you know, murder mystery shows. I listen to um, crime podcasts. I'm always picking up... Um, ideas about sort of like things that might happen and clues that might be dropped and kind of twists that might be used by other authors or might have happened in real life. Um, actually, the the story that I read um, from the beginning of May, Wong and the Deadly Flat, was inspired by something that I heard on a podcast once. It was this little short story, but it was so creepy um, that I couldn't get it out of my head. And I knew I kind of wanted to tell my own version of it. And I've obviously changed it entirely. Um, but there's a central idea that was in, that I heard on that podcast and then I put into my, my own book. Um, so it is about listening to other stories, finding other stories, um, even just sort of reading the news sometimes, you know, just walking around the world and, and, and meeting people and um, talking to them. Like the one of the twists in Death in uh, Death in the Spotlight, um, I was going swimming and there was a woman in the changing room that who just kept talking to me, and she just was talking and talking and talking and talking, and I was so struck by kind of my reaction to it and and sort of what she was doing, and I thought she would make a great character. I know I want to put her in a book. So um, inspiration is literally from anywhere and I think that's why everyone has different everyone writes differently everyone comes up with different stories because everyone's sources of inspiration are different because we're all drawing on, on our own lives on our own influences on things that we see and do so um every author is going to be totally unique yeah well thank you so much <laughs> and is this Olivia no yep Olivia Olivia hi hi Olivia uh, my question is, if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? 
Ooh, that is a really good question. And it's definitely one I've thought about before. And I think the end, I mean, a lot of things, um, but the one that I always come back to is um, don't be afraid to be weird. I loved fantasy fiction growing up. And uh, my favorite authors were um, Diana Wynne-Jones, Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman were like my, my top three. Um, and I, I told this to my headmistress and her face just froze. And she just told that she was like shocked because I was I was my, like, in the top set for English and she, I was meant to be in there with like, one of the clever ones and she was just horrified. And I and I was sort of like, I've done something wrong, but I'm I'm glad that um, you guys have teachers who, who approve of uh, fantasy fiction because it's amazing. It's some of the best writing out there, um, you know, in the past and now it's just, it pushes the boundaries. And I think it's, it's an exciting thing to read and to write. Um, I loved murder mysteries from a really young age. I was reading Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie from, from pretty young. Um, but I kind of thought that to be a, be a serious writer and to be published, I had to write, I couldn't write genre fiction. I couldn't write for children. I, I thought I would have to write, you know, serious novels and that would be how I was gonna be taken seriously, how I was gonna be published. Um, and it took me until I left school. And I, I remember um, I went on a sort of writing course with school ones and they asked us to write a short story. And I wrote a short story about a man who just slowly turned into a mouse. I don't know why. Um, it was something. It was a metaphor for something. But I, like, I, I thought it was great. And then I, I, I got into the room with everybody else, and they'd all written really serious stories that weren't that weren't fantasy, that weren't funny. Um, and I was so ashamed. I like, I ran out the room and I cried. And I was like, I'm never going to be a real author. I don't. Like I'm not being serious enough. And I just wish that I had had the confidence to be like, actually, this is cool. And it's a story that only I told and it's interesting and it's unique. And I want to read it. And if I want to read something, other people will as well. And it wasn't until I decided that I was going to be weird and I was going to write a murder mystery and I was going to write, you know, genre fiction, I was going to write for children that everything kind of came together. And like, I am so proud of the books I write now. And I know a lot of people want to read them. Uh, so yeah, like just be be proud of who you are, be proud of how you write. Don't be worried about being weird because weird is really good, I think, in the publishing world. Thank you. And last but not least, we have Elsa. Hi, hello. So I've read a lot of murder mysteries, you know, kind of inspired by your books, which I love. And I just, I wanted to ask you, what do you think makes a murder mystery different from other ones? What makes it interesting and not predictable that you won't guess? Oh, that is a really good question. Um, I think part of what makes a murder mystery different and what keeps us coming back to them is actually predictability. Like, you're right that they'll all have different twists. Like, you know, if a good murder mystery writer will surprise you, you should get to the end, you should see the, the killer revealed and you should feel shocked. And then when you go back, you should see all the clues that were dropped and you missed. Um, but when you pick up a murder mystery, you basically know what's going to happen in it. Someone or a couple people are going to die. Someone's killed them. Um, it's one of the suspects in this enclosed environment. It will be worked out by the detectives. Everything kind of will be fine in the end. And I think that that's what makes them so satisfying. Like you, you sort of, you know that, you, that you're playing by a set of rules and the author is playing by a set of rules. And it's like a game that you're both working, kind of working on seeing who's cleverer than the other. Um, and I think that's what's what's so exciting about it. Um, and a lot of the the twists are really window dressing. Like there aren't that many 
actual solutions to a mystery. Like there aren't that many motives really. You know, you, you have jealousy or love or hate or money. Um, and in terms of sort of people who could have done it, you know, the partner or the the, the child or the parent or the, the sort of neighbor, like there aren't that many different sort of solutions. It's just in the skill of the author making it seem like it could be anything and making it seem like an amazing new trick that you've never thought of before. Um, Agatha Christie did something that I think is really interesting where she reuses plot like again and again. Like she'll have three or four books where it's basically the same thing happens but it's with different detectives in different settings, different characters who all have the kind of the same like pattern of relationship to each other. Um, but they all feel like different books because she's so good at misdirection and trickery and kind of that magic um, sort of cleverness I think you need to have to be a really good crime fiction writer. Um, but but I mean, I guess I guess I do try to not have the same thing happen in every single book. Like I'm, I, I try to, to change it up each time, you know, pull a lot of misdirection on you. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that is the answer that a lot of the, the surprise in is actually it's all the same story again and again in all these different ways. And that's the, that's what I love so much about it. That's why I love crime fiction. You're writing the same story, but it'll never be the same because you're always tweaking it in little tiny ways. Yeah, thank you so much. That was brilliant. And I really, um, just one thing I wanted to say, when you were talking earlier about growing up with the books, that's something I really experienced as well because I started the books in when I was in first year and I'm in fourth year. And I started when I was about 12 or 13 and now I'm 15. And it's really, it's different. It's been really nice to grow and read through the girls maturing throughout them. It's a really nice thing. It's, thank you. It's, it is just such a privilege and it's so exciting to, to keep hearing from, from fans as they get older and as they see different things in the series. And um, yeah, I, I feel so lucky. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for answering those questions. Yeah. Uh, it's really important to just be true to who you are and be yourself. And from, you know, talking about fans and them growing up, uh, my wee sister is such a big fan of your books. She has read like all of them about five times. Um, and she actually writes her own stories as well and she takes inspiration from your books um, so I think that that just shows like it's a new generation of authors because she's always wanted to be an author as well. It is well I mean I think that is that's one of the most wonderful things about being an author especially an author um, for sort of children and, and young people that like I got inspiration from my favorite authors and being able to sort of give it to the next generation. You know, I get a lot of letters um, from people who, who want to be authors. And, you know, I I really think like I'm definitely talking to a lot of people who are going to grow up to be published. And, and I can tell when I read their stories, like it, just the talent out there is incredible. And I feel, again, really lucky to have some part to play in yeah, the next generation of authors growing up and, and kind of discovering what kind of stories they want to write. Definitely, you might even find a few books um, dedicated to you in the future. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. Thank you so much Thank for this, you. this has been absolutely awesome. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you all and it's so nice to know I have so many fans. Um, <laughs> at your school, thank you so much. No, it's been really, really lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you and happy birthday, Raffaella, again. <laughs> <laughs>
So I feel like that interview went so well. Um, our super fans were absolutely brilliant and so confident in their questions um, to Robin. You, Elsa, did such a good job and I'm so glad you came back to record the introduction and conclusion to the podcast with me. Yeah, thank you for letting me. Oh, I mean, you're welcome. It's great. It was really fun, especially, I think, the moment at the start where we had our kind of period of technical difficulties. That was great. I really enjoyed that. The teamwork was brilliant and Robin Stevens was such a good sport. I'm glad she was so patient with us. I know, me too. So yeah, that was fantastic. So, so good. Yeah, so, I mean, this is your kind of final project as a reading leader. What does it feel like for you? It feels really bittersweet. We've been working on this podcast all year. It started out with just a very big idea from Mr Kelly and it took a lot of teamwork to actually bring it to life. Um, it started out with first years and we were just asking them some questions and it was absolutely brilliant and to think that it's stemmed into such a big thing already we're so grateful that Robin Stevens agreed to be on the podcast and it was so nice because I did I've read the books when I was younger and to think that now that I was interviewing Robin Stevens basically on this podcast for the school um, it was just fantastic. Being a reading leader this year was like my favourite thing to do. And all the girls, that we all worked together. It was such a good team to work with. And with help from Mr Kelly and Miss McMullen and Miss Schillen, it was just, it was brilliant. Yeah, so you would recommend being a reading leader then? 100%. <laughs> if you enjoy reading and you like to get stuck into things, um, I would definitely recommend being a reading leader, um, 100%. And I hope that you decide to be a reading leader when you're in oh, sixth yeah. year. Definitely sounds like something I'd be interested in. Oh, great. I know, and every, all the other super fans as well, I hope they all decide that being a reading leader is for them. We'd love if you spread the word and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and keep reading! reading.